This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for How She Does It, where we talk about all things women, money, and power. I'm Karen Feinerman. These past few years, I've noticed something interesting in the retail industry. Small brands are turning boring pantry staples into products that are actually really cool. And one of those brands is Supergoop Sunscreen. They turned a product in a category that seems so set in its ways into something we all should be wearing every day and that also looks great on our shelves. Realizing the potential of this then small but beloved brand, Amanda Baldwin left her very high-end Wall Street job to step into the role as CEO of Supergoop six years ago. Since then, the company has not only become highly profitable, it's grown over 30 times and secured a majority investment from Blackstone Growth. Amanda was also recently named an Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year. Amanda, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. So I've read a lot about you, but uh, I got to get to your background. I know you're a Harvard grad, a Wharton grad. There's a lot of Latin, magna cum this. There's (laughs) some Greek, phi beta that. Clearly, you were ambitious from a very early age. Where was this drive from and where did you think you wanted to go then? Yeah, I mean, I'm smiling and and certainly blushing. Mm. Uh, I do think, and and now I have a young child, so I do think that some of one's personality and drive comes just genetically. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think for me, though, it was always I love to learn. So it was never about I need to have this degree or go to this place. I just love to learn. And so if you love to learn, you love a challenge, you like to dig in, you like to work hard, and those things kind of were an output of that versus... I never woke up one morning and said, that's what I want to do. So, and look, I've been very fortunate along the way. I've had a lot of great mentors, a lot of people who have opened doors for me, but I also 100% walk through them. Well, that's a big thing to do, walk through them. So I know you started as a private equity investor at Apex Partners. Is that Alan Patrikoff? Uh, Yes, Alan was uh, in the office every day at 7 a.m. back in 2002. Two, I guess I, I was at Goldman first and then went to Apex. Yeah. Uh-huh. One very odd little fact about Alan Patrikoff, he lives on the other side of my kitchen. And oh, wow. I have four He's kids. And only one time in the 20 years that we've been next door neighbors has he ever called to say, hey, hold it down a little. One time only. <laughs> so that was a good place to go, yes. Apex Partners. And then you were at El Catterton. Yeah, the journey was really, for me, I started in in finance. Um, I had a liberal arts undergrad and wanted to learn what business was. And, Uh you know, I sort of smile again at that because I don't know if I knew totally what I meant by that. But so I ended up on Wall Street. And then when I was at Apex, 
uh, doing a lot of deals in retail, I had this sort of aha moment about I want to see what it's like on the other side of the table. Uh, I you know, loved the spreadsheets. I loved the investing. But I really felt at home when I was walking the floors of these companies and either you know at the, on the design floor or talking to the CEOs, talking to the CMOs. I really wanted to see what that was like. So that led me back to Wharton. That led me into the, the career change of coming into the retail and the consumer business. So that's what I was investing in when I was at Apex. But I just I really wanted to get my hands dirty. I love product. <laughs> I love design. I love color. And I think you know, that wasn't necessarily part of my job description when I was building out financial models. And it just felt like there was maybe something out there that I could combine both. So that led to Lauder, LVMH, El Catterton, and eventually Supergroup. Okay, so Estee Lauder, that has to be, I think you're on Clinique, is mm-hmm, that right? Mm-hmm. That has to be a fantastic place Unbelievable. to yeah. learn. I learned from the best brands and the best leaders in this industry. So I was at Clinique and then I was at Dior, and those two brands are forever etched in me in uh-huh. terms of, you know, those brands and as well as those companies as a whole. In terms of how they conducted business, these are big, multi-billion-dollar global businesses. So it was about how brands were built, but also how businesses were run. And even as I've built Supergoop, I've always sort of had a little voice in the back of my mind saying, oh, okay, this is what it can look like once you've built this whole thing. And I think understanding that has really been a helpful guide for me. So you went into the operating part of the Mm -hmm, business, mm -hmm. and then a quick stop back at private equity. (laughs) Yeah. Was it, what made you do that? I mean, every twist and turn in my career has been because I get a phone call I wasn't expecting. And, you know, again, walk through the doors when they're Mm -hmm. open to you. The move to Catterton was because I really saw this evolution of what were the next generation of brands being, as you were sort of saying in your introduction. And I was just really curious about that. So I had been around these big, beautiful, incredible entities and always doing very entrepreneurial things. I think I've always been someone who likes to think about things differently. But I had never actually been in a business as it was being built from the ground up. And I was really curious about that. And that's what Catterton does, best in the world. And so I was able to kind of go back there on the operating team. So it was really a combination of, you know, and again, all these things look hindsight's twenty twenty, but it was right. a combination of the investing background and the operating love and how could I bring those together. And I worked across the portfolio mostly sort of parachuting into businesses um, from a marketing angle about how do you revolutionize how they're thinking about marketing and thinking about brand. So then what was the call or what was the action that had you end up at Supergoop? It was also a phone call, Mm -hmm. an unexpected phone call from a recruiter who I'd known for eight plus years. I had worked with his daughter. So we had known each other for a long time. And I will never forget him calling up. He said, Amanda, I have something for you. And I'd heard of Supergoop. I've been in the beauty industry for a long time. But I didn't know too much. But I, I sort of, there were signals and signs in it that I thought it was a really special brand. And I met Holly, our founder, and I thought that she just has this really big idea. Um, and that's that everyone should be wearing sunscreen every day. And that's scientific fact, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's no disputing that. One in five people will be diagnosed with skin cancer. 90% of the signs of aging come from the sun. And yet nobody was thinking about this as a daily use product. And her insight was it's because nobody actually likes this stuff. Uh (laughs) The product is kind of yucky and none of the brands have any spirit. And that was the idea. I mean, just an unbelievable story of of entrepreneurial insight and grit. And she had gotten the business to a point where she had taken on a little bit of outside money. Uh And I think recognized and I think, you know, so much of life is about recognizing what you're great at. 
and what you need help on. And I think that she knew that she needed somebody who really had a marketing and a strategy and a business background that she could say, okay, I've got this big idea. And she's still so much of the inspiration of what we do every day. But I need somebody to turn that idea into Mm -hmm. a brand and a business that can really scale. And that's where I came in. So at that time, it was a company that had raised $6.5 million-ish, somewhere in that Smartly, range. Yeah, we didn't raise very much money along the way. It yeah. wasn't a huge organization by nope. any stretch relative nope. to everything. You had been at the, you know, the, the be-all, end-all yes. of every kind of place. And what was it that made you think, you know what, I'm going to get off that track and I'm going to yeah. really get my hands dirty and do this project? Yeah. What did you see in it? I think it's a combination of things. I think... You know, and again, I think all these things kind of come somewhere very early in life that I've always been someone who really understands brand and understands white space and product and understands what the world doesn't have already. And people have heard me say this before on my team that I think Supergroup is a brand with a capital B. I think you can have a logo, you can have a name, but there is something in the soul Mm -hmm. of a brand that either exists or not. And I'm going to have a really hard time articulating it in words because it's a feeling. And I could list some that I think really have this specialness to them. I had been around them, you know, when I was at Dior in particular, and, and LVMH as an organization understands this. And somehow by, I think, seeing it, I kind of knew that everything that Holly had created from the name to the logo to the iconography to everything about the spirit of this was just something really special that would connect with people on an emotional level. And I just know that that is super rare. I mean, you know, there's a handful of them that exist on the planet. I also thought that the product had a real reason for being. There was a purpose behind it, that scientific fact that we all need sunscreen every day. And there's just not a lot of products that everybody needs every day. So if you combine those two things, inevitably you have unbelievable scale. And that's really where I think the business investor person in me came in was this is not only going to be really fun Mm -hmm. uh, and I love brands and I love product, but there's a really great business to be had here. And I think if you can combine doing well financially with doing good like that's just again Uh these sort of things they just don't exist every day you know you could list on one hand the greatest brands on the planet and i hope that this one will be one day too okay so you're there for a number of years Mm -hmm. you grow the scale tremendously but still you look i know you looked at the opportunity as way bigger oh yeah we're just getting started just getting started so you decide you're going to take in a meaningful amount of outside capital by selling a majority Mm -hmm. to Blackstone growth. Yes. Mm-hmm. I wonder, must have been a very interesting process, yes. and for which you know, though, being on, I've been being on, on both sides, sides of the right. table. Yes. So you know. I can't help but wonder, how did Estee Lauder not end up buying this? Well, I mean, look, I think that the process itself was all about what does Supergoop need next? And I think that when you're building a brand, you know in your heart when you have hit a certain point where you need help. So Holly and I looked at each other and like, okay, we've gotten this thing as far as we can get on the resources that we have. The you know, We're really building a brand. We had already proven a lot of people who told Holly for many years before I showed up and certainly told me when I started that this was never going to happen, that there was no way we could uh-huh. sort of get people to pay attention to sunscreen on a daily basis. We've proven all that out. But again, there's so much more potential, right? And and to get to the next level, you need real expertise in scaling something. And I think we really looked for a partner who we felt like was really, that was their sweet spot. How do I take this little magical 
brand and turn it into a business? How do I go from creating a category to leading a category? And, you know, it, it just felt right. I mean, I think that what the folks at Blackstone are doing is is really all about enabling the purpose and the passion of founders and of sort of original teams and kind of making that, taking that to next scale. So it wasn't about who didn't get something. Uh-huh. It was about who did, um, who did is sort of how I would think about it. So... The scale that you're looking to go to mm-hmm. now, so you talked about building a category, yeah. yeah, right, and building sort of the name in the category. Yeah. So you're getting some traction there. Yes. But I know your ambitions are greater still. Yes. <laughs> what, where are you trying to get to? I know it probably moves given, you know, yeah. your, just the history that I know of you, that it looks like. Always pushing. Always pushing. Always pushing. So where are you trying to get to relative to where it is now? And you have to tell me, how did the name Supergoop end up as the name of this product? Because it is a great name. It's a great name. And Holly gets full credit for that. And and it's really a story of she came from outside the industry and she was passing around the, the little jars of the original formula and calling it Goop. And when she decided that she had found the one that she loved the best, she's like, this stuff is super. And she's a glasses half full, you know, exclamation point loving person. And there you go. That's how and that original logo and still our logo, which has been tweaked a little bit, but still stays true to her original handwriting. There's just so much to work with. And I think all these brands, the really special ones, they are born. They're not created and they're born from founders. And, you know, I certainly have so much respect for what that DNA is in someone's very different mm-hmm. DNA than me. I think I'm really good at getting in there and figuring out how to make it something even beyond what it is. I think our ambition, look, this product and this brand was started with a mission. So, you know, our work will be done when people aren't getting skin cancer anymore. That's, that's a lot that's of a work. Lot, that's, that's a lot, a lot of, work, of work, right? But right. Um, that's really how we think about it. I think, you know, we certainly have a three-year strategy about, okay, what does that mean we're doing now? And how do we continue to go deeper with the retailers where we are? And, you know, we have... But the eventual scale that I think we can reach and the appeal of this brand, we see success with six-month-old babies and with men and with, mm-hmm. you know, at all ages. And I now, you know, I have friends, I'm in my 40s, and I have friends who have daughters that are 11, and both of them grab at the product when I bring mm-hmm. it over their house. And there's just not a lot of products and a lot of brands like that. And, you know, I think there's something really special. And we've also had an amazing year of truly taking this brand global. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've just never seen something resonate every single place I go. So mm-hmm. the story never gets old, the name never gets old, the yellow cap never gets old, and this sort of jaw-dropping, wait, how did you make this product? No matter mm-hmm. where I go, we have something that has never been seen before. So you stepped into what sometimes is a very fraught role, which is working with a founder. Mm-hmm. And so what's the day-to-day interaction like, and was that something you were hesitant to do? Not at all. I mean, I think I have, like I said, I have so much respect for what I'll call the founder gene, mm-hmm. um, and quite frankly, know that I don't have it. So people ask me all the time, Amanda, would you start a company? I'm like, I don't think that's my reason for being in uh-huh. life. And I think that founders have the ability to see a blank sheet of paper and you know build something off of a blank sheet of paper. And I think that's just a really special gift. Again, I think what I'm really great at is seeing, oh, wow, that thing that you've created, you can make that a million times bigger than it is already. Let me help you figure out how to take that idea and make it real. And and again, I'm a marketer, I'm a product person, but I also know how to execute, how to build the team, how to like just day in, day out, making things happen. So when you think about that, that's a very different set of skills than what a founder probably wants to do or, you know, is really even thinking that, you know, how they want to spend their time. So 
Holly and I have never sort of had to be like, you do this, I do that. It's always been very fluid. And, you know, she really focuses on, you know, like I said, she's sort of the chief educator, the chief inspiration for what we do. And I think she's really thoughtful about kind of letting me take care of the rest. So it's interesting. One of the things that I've heard over and over again from very successful people is the most important thing is their team. And so for you, what are you looking for and what sort of rules or guidelines do you have for how to create the team? Be nice is my first one. Okay. Like, I, I love that. just think life is too short. And so I really care about good, kind people. That's my starting point. You know, I think after that, it does depend on the discipline that you're working in. It depends on the stage of the company. I've certainly learned that the people that really love being there when it's a 10-person company versus a 150-person company versus a 2,000-person company, it might be different, and that's okay. So I think I've also, as an entrepreneur, gotten comfortable that we will have change in that team. And that's hard, but it's sort of beautiful at the same time because mm-hmm. it means that everybody's evolving. The thing that has never changed and the thing that I think carries everybody is everybody's a builder. Everybody is inspired by this idea of I'm going to come to Supergoop and I'm going to do something that wasn't there before. And I think that's really exciting. I think it's exciting for people who it's I want to put my fingerprints on something. I want to be a part of something. And I'm driven by the passion and the purpose of what the business is. But after that, it's about nobody thinking about things the same way. I always think about, okay, how many different voices do I have around the table? And if we're all thinking about the problem in the same way, then we have a problem. Uh So how do you sort of enable those voices? You know, I think about it in a very literal way. And again, that's always changing. Now we can have people who are more specialized than we could in the beginning, right? We were a lot of jack of all trades in Mm -hmm. the beginning because when you're under 10 people, kind of everybody does everything. And all of a sudden now we have people who run departments that we didn't even have a year ago. So it certainly changes a lot, but I think that's what keeps it exciting. So when you started early on, you were running the coffee maker and... uh, Packing the boxes, everything. And And I still will very happily pack the boxes. I think that's important, but it's probably less necessary than it was day one. Uh I've read about the brand looking to expand. And the message of the brand is what? How does it make you feel? So the mission of the brand is to change the way the world thinks about sunscreen. How does it make you feel? So we launched a new brand platform this year called Solar Powered Freedom, SPF with an exclamation point. And what that really is about is how does sunscreen make you feel? I've always said since the beginning, you know, you don't put on sunscreen to sit on the couch and feel bad for yourself. (laughs) You do it because you're getting out and you're living life in whatever way that means, right? That can mean a different thing for you than it does for me and a different thing on a Saturday than it does on on a Monday. But it's really about the spirit of making it happen and that actually super goop, you know, the trust and the quality of the product is going to allow me to do that without we almost have to disappear into the background. Right. I mean, Unseen Sunscreen is our number one product and it's invisible. Right. And it sort of lets you shine through. What we do is it's regulated. It is a you know over the counter drug. We are preventing cancer and therefore you have to take it really seriously. So I think the spirit of the brand is very positive, but underneath that is a really buttoned-up operation. Mm-hmm. It's uniquely regulated, mm-hmm. it seems, right? Mm-hmm. So is that a moat for you that the FDA like is kind to, of created? I like to think so. I think that, you know, I always say to our team that the things that are really hard 
are actually some of what make us special. It is, I think, a really important core competence that we have around formulating with sunscreen ingredients. And now that we're a global brand, operating on a global level means that it gets super complicated because it's regulated in different ways around the world. So the infrastructure of this beautiful little brand that we're building is as mighty as the product and the brand and the marketing. But Again, it's hard, but I, I kind of like that it's hard. Uh-huh, right? <laughs> the no, investor in me is like, that's a, that's a moat. Um, that's something that is worth something and protects us from, you know, because look, when you start getting good at something, people notice and they think maybe that looks fun too. Right. And then you have capital flood in and mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. This might be a dumb question. Maybe not. But I've always wondered, do sunscreen company or yours in particular have a focus also in Australia or Anywhere where this winter is the other time of the year yeah, to be able to have yeah. more we, we're even, you know, production, sales, all of that. Yeah. So the one thing I will say about our business is we are not as seasonal as people think. So, okay. yes, we have a holiday season, which comes in sort of June, July, just like the rest of the world has November, December. But it's no more or less than you would see in, in other categories. And our message and our mission is to wear sunscreen every single day. That being said, of course, there are ebbs and flows in the business and certainly – Different geographies will have their holiday, quote unquote, season at different points. So we have business in Southeast Asia, which is, as you can imagine, it's it's hot year round if you're in, in Singapore or Thailand or someplace like that. We're working on Australia. We're working on other parts of the globe. Again, the regulation is not for mm-hmm. the faint of heart. So <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> is, what about the culture of some of the other places? Is it yeah. uh, are they as focused more focused, less focused? I don't know. It depends then. on where you are. Australia, actually, they, culturally, they're very focused on it because of skin cancer incidence is very high there because of the thinness of the ozone layer. And so that's a place where people really are taught to wear sunscreen at a very young age, they, that young children are. It was some of the inspiration, actually, behind Holly's original insight about, like, why don't we have this in schools? And now we give product away for free in schools was because of what they do in Australia. You certainly see in places in Asia that there's more of a focus on sunscreen because of its anti-aging benefits. You see less of that in other parts of the world. But for us, again, like I said, everywhere I've been in the on the globe, this brand and what we're doing resonates. So even in places where they really have had sunscreen for a long time, daily use and the innovation in our product is very unique. And we also aren't afraid to change behavior. Um, that's what this business mm-hmm. was built on. And that's certainly what we've done in the United States. Like I said, when I started, people were like, man, are you sure about this? Sunscreen's a mass category. You know, you, you sure you want to make this leap from your career point of view? I said, no, no, just wait. Really? We've got no this. Hint, uh, no hint of concern. People ask me that all the time. And I'm like, I just, I think okay. that's why I knew it was the right thing for me, right? And it was, it just felt so needed. And again, it wasn't just because we wanted it to be true. It was because it really needed to be true. But, you know, now that we're, we launch in Europe, we're probably more at the early stage of that journey of educating people. So we know how to do this. We know how to change behavior. But I think, to your point, you have to be very thoughtful about where you're doing it. And someone in Italy is going to need a slightly different message than maybe somebody who's in, you know, now, like I said, now we're, we're all across Europe. So we, we even see nuances between the different countries. Let's just stop right there for a second. We're going to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. We're back with Amanda Baldwin, CEO of Supergoop. Okay, so I understand the mission is basically for everyone's daily uniform to be to wear sunscreen every day. And now I take that to heart. Tell us more about you, the person. You, you're a wife, you're a mother. I'm interested to hear you have a son. Mm -hmm. What does your son think you do? Supergoop is his life. He was two when I started this. It's everything. Uh, But does he think you sell it? You you are the person or does he know that you're in charge? No, he knows that I'm a CEO. Um, I think that, you know, there have been... Days where he has said to me, you know, it really is hard to be the son of a CEO. Those are the days when I have to leave on a work trip on a mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon or, you know, open my laptop, uh, you know, before he goes to bed. And those are really hard moments. But I also know that he takes a lot of pride in it. Mm-hmm. And my team also knows that he's the source of a lot of inspiration for me when he'll just say these things about life, that I think he's learning some life lessons from the ups and downs of, of the entrepreneurial journey that I've been on. But yes, I think he thinks I'm in charge, which the funny part is I'm definitely not in charge. And, <laughs> but, you know, I have a lot of other people that are much better at that than me. But yeah, he understands, I think. And uh, he keeps me really grounded. Uh-huh. It's interesting. I remember my kids telling me, Mom, we know from the second you got home whether you made or lost money and whether mm-hmm. you underperformed or outperformed your benchmark, which blew me away that they yeah, would even know they, I had any know. kind of benchmark, they but they do kids know. know. Okay, so tell us when you get this call, you find this, this is a really interesting opportunity. You tell your husband about it. Yeah. What was that reaction? He's always been really supportive. I think, you know, we met in business school. I think he knew what he was getting into because <laughs> at that time, the essay did say, I'd like to be a CEO one day. So I, I think he knew, although maybe not totally. You know, and he works for himself, so he has you know a lot of control over his schedule and is able to support me and, and all the control I don't have over my schedule. So he's always been really, really supportive of it. Yeah. So would you say that having gone to Supergoop, having been there, growing, running this brand. Could you ever imagine going back to private equity or Goldman Sachs? I think anything is possible. I oh. really do. I've always believed that. I think that, you know, again, I've, I've kind of taken each step in my journey as it's something that feels right at the time. So, you know, who knows? I've, I've learned never to say never. Um, because you just don't know where the world's going to take you. Uh-huh. I'm actually surprised that you said that. Mm. Sometimes I think of, you know, when you go to return a car, they have those sort of nails that stick up. Yeah. And you can drive over them, uh, and that's fine, <laughs> yes, and they course. go down. But yeah. you cannot back up or you'll blow out your tires. Yeah. I mean, I probably, um, you know, I, I don't think I'll probably be an investment maker again, but I love investing. I love the financial aspect of what I do. I just remain really open-minded and curious about the world, and I just learn not to over-engineer it. Uh-huh. What are some other brands that you think have that same spark, whatever, I don't mm-hmm. know what even to call it, mm-hmm. um, that Supergoop does in any category? In any category. So, you know, some of the brands that we really look up to at Supergoop are what I'll call the category creators. So these businesses that really, you know, like a Starbucks that have changed behavior, we look to them as somebody who, you know, just really shifted how people's daily lives operate. And they don't sell every cup of coffee on the planet anymore, 
but they certainly have changed behavior and, and are sort of an icon in the industry. So their logo ends up in a lot of decks. Mm-hmm. Um, Nike ends up in a lot of decks and sort of these brands that also like are part of people's daily lives, I think are really exciting. We were talking also before about there are some great businesses out there that are run by fellow Whartonites, and I always <laughs> admire those from Warby Parker and Harry's, and they're just great ones. And I think there's just a lot of businesses out there that are doing really unique and special things. Do you ever look at some other businesses and say, oh, I could do a lot with that business. They're underutilizing this or that, or does that pop yeah, into your head? Yeah, I mean, gosh, my life is so busy, um, <laughs> and, and probably I'm mostly focused on that. But I grew up in New York City, and I still kind of walk around the streets trying to wonder about, why is that thing successful? What is it about that brand that is making it that I kind of see that there is some sort of movement of the consumer towards it? And and I think that can be anything. It's, uh, you know, we, we have the Harry Potter store, for example, around the corner <laughs> from us. And I'm always like, wow, what, the, look at that line. Why is that line there? You know, when Formula One became really popular, I started watching that Netflix show because I was like, okay, well, why is it that people are talking about that all of a sudden? Taylor Swift this summer, I went to the concert oh, because, A, it was great. But I wanted to understand as a brand person, as a marketer, what is her cultural relevance? So I think for me, it's a lot about things that are that way. And then, of course, I'll always admire these sort of iconic luxury brands that have stood the test of time. And that's in me from the LVMH point of view of just 150 years, endless reinvention. That's really hard to do. And I think there's something about that timelessness that I really admire. Uh So... You've been there how long? Seven years. Seven years. And it looks to me like you see you are nowhere remotely close to done doing what you think can be done there. This brand has so much more uh, to go. So that must energize you every day. Absolutely. What are some of the things you said your son will know if you, you know, had a setback or what are those kind of things? I always say there's speed bumps. They're not setbacks. They're they're not walls you can't get over. But yeah, sometimes something gets thrown at you and you have to deal with it. And that's just part of my job. And my job really is to open doors and clear out obstacles. But I think that I grew up and I was a gymnast. And in gymnastics, you fall down a lot. In fact, it's the only way you make any progress is falling down a lot. So I just think I don't look at these things as bad. I look at them as part of the job, part of learning. I always believe there's some different way of doing something or a better way of doing something. So, okay, bring it on. You know, it's kind of the way I think about it. Again, it doesn't mean that every day is great or that I'm not feeling, you know, pressure at certain points, but I don't know. It's kind of comes with the territory. So what do you do to relax? Being with my family is certainly one of them. I love anything that's creative. And I think that's sort of why I got out of the finance world and entered into the space that I'm in now is because I love art and design. So for me, my blood pressure definitely goes down. If I go to an art gallery, a museum, it doesn't matter what it is. I might only have half an hour. I do this, you know, sometimes I'll be in a foreign country and I'll be like, I've got to at least see something that reminds me I'm somewhere other than New York City. And I just try and take time to do that. And I try and take time to see my friends and create a little bit of of space in my brain. There's so much information that comes at all of us every day. I'm also known for the fact that I walk to work. I listen to podcasts, and it's like sort of my moving meditation because sitting still is not my forte. So (laughs) that helps me too. No matter the weather, though, you walk to work? No matter the weather. No matter matter the temperature, the weather, yeah, the hour. So I totally understand the walking to work, the clearing your head, and then also being energized and excited to, I mean, you've got a mission to fulfill. I mean, you. it's extraordinary to me how you 
just thought, this is it. This is the one. And you saw it. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see Thank where you. you take this brand. So before we go, I want to get to our lightning round, but we're going to take a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Okay, and we're back with our lightning round. You may know this as would you rather. And the only challenge is that you can't think about the answer. You uh, just have to say okay. whatever comes to your mind at the moment. Supergoop play or glow? Glow. Baseball hat or straw hat? Straw, I think. <laughs> okay. Not with much conviction, but that's okay. Beach Glamour. or pool? Beach. Chanel or Louis Vuitton? Or Dior. I'll give you a third choice. Well, it's definitely Louis Vuitton and Dior. That's, uh, yeah, loyalty. <laughs> uh, L.A. sunshine or Seattle gray skies? Sunshine. Scuba diving or snorkeling? Snorkeling. Ten-step skincare routine every night or soap and water? Ten steps. Risk or comfort? Risk. I thought you would say that. Fiction or nonfiction? Can I say both? You can. <laughs> I definitely you. am pretty much down the middle on that. Okay. What are you reading right now? I just finished a book called Making Big Happen. It's all about how to build communication and process in your growing organization. So my team will see some of it come to life very soon. (laughs) And how about in the fiction world? Uh, I read Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. I think that was all over TikTok. It took me a year to catch up with the trend, but it was a fun read. Okay. All right. Last one. What's the best investment you've ever made and the worst investment you've ever made? And it's a really broad definition of investment. I definitely know the best is my education, and I have to give my parents credit for that. My worst? I don't know. Like I said, I don't think of anything as a bad thing, so I don't have a worst. But my best is definitely that they gave me the chance of a lifetime from an education point of view. And then you walked through the door. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me here today on How She Does It. Thank you so much to Amanda Baldwin for sharing how Supergoop is disrupting the sunscreen industry. Thanks for having me. When you have a moment, please follow us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to updates from the Her Money community at hermoney.com slash subscribe. Our producers are Catherine Tuggle and Haley Pascalides, with help from everyone at Her Money. This podcast is mixed and mastered out of CDM Sound Studios. Our music is from Video Helper, and our show comes to you through Megaphone. Have a great week, and I look forward to seeing you here with us again. Onward. Onward.